What's up, guys? It's Arav. Welcome back to the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. Today's show is going to be a great run, I can already tell you. We're starting off by Arsh and I talking about who we think will be MLB MVP. Then we're going to talk about our Madden rankings, who was completely disrespected in Madden 22. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. There are a bunch of people in the 99 club already, but Josh Allen is an 88 overall and Aaron Rodgers is a 97. That's some mad disrespect for Josh Allen, who was a runner-up to MVP last year. Then I'm going to talk about the Cowboys signing Malik Hooker and is Xavier Howard next. Are they going to try and trade for him to improve that defense? That would make that defense unstoppable, especially with Dan Quinn as their defensive coordinator. And then finally, I'm going to talk about the Yankees trade making two blockbuster trades for Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, and if any of them will even pay off this year. Also, if you enjoy this type of content, consider subscribing and leaving a like. They're both free. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, consider leaving us a review. It helps us out so much. So thank you so much. Also, be sure to check out all our YouTube shorts. We've released a bunch and there's a lot more coming. So stay tuned for those. Now, on to the episode. All right, so starting with the National League, I think first is gonna the person who's going to win it is Jacob deGrom. He has this year, I think he has on around a .5 ERA. He has more earned. He has less earned runs than RBIs he's had this year. So he's and he's also a very good batter. He's been dominant at the plate, if I if I could say so. His pitching is insane. He constantly is throwing over a hundred miles per hour. He he's the most dominant pitcher in baseball right now, I think. But that prompts you to think that he should win unanimously. I th- I think he might. It's super hard to do in the MLB win the unanimous MVP. I don't think it will happen because there's Fernando Tatis and Acuna. Yeah, but I think I think he will win. I think he'll win because of the Mets' success because of, because mainly because of his success. Um, and he did have some shoulder pain earlier in the year, but I think he will end up overcoming that and he'll end up winning the MVP. But um, you said second, you third, said he might win unanimously. How do you think that Tatis? Or Acuna wouldn't get anything. That's just what I want to know. Well, uh, that's what I was gonna say. I think Tatis, Acuna, and um, Kyle Schwarber will round out will, will round out the top four. But I think that Degrom is gonna win unanimously because of his batting and his pitching. I mean, I don't think we've ever in a long time in recent history we have not seen a pitcher this dominant who's had eight against the Cubs when he got when he had to take it out after three innings. I think he would have absolutely dominated that game. I agree. He had eight strikeouts and nine batters. He's he's unmatched. He's his ability to pitch at a high level is incredible, especially after being in the league since twenty fourteen. That's okay. why. So I, I think agree went, that he's a dominant pitcher, but how does that negate arguably the best player in the league, Tatis? Because because DeGrom or Acuna as well. Well, I think it would. It's going to be close right now. I think there is a chance that this is unanimous, but I'm I'm He's saying not that, even giving a chance to Tatis. Or no, 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 that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if Degrom didn't have this, didn't have this added factor, if you will, of his batting, I think it would be close to even in votes for Tatis and Degrom. Okay, but if you but, think that Degrom is going to go almost unanimously, that means you think Tatis will get barely any, if any, votes. Yes, I do. You don't think Tatis is gonna get a no, lot of and I think I think Tatis is actually extremely overrated in the MLB too. What? We okay. can we can talk about that later. But I'm just thinking I'm just saying that Degrom will win NL MVP. Arch, who do you think? Okay, for the NL, I think it's gonna be a close race between Tatis, uh, Degrom, and Acuna. 
but I think Acuna is going to get third, and then I think it's going to be a very close race between Tatis and DeGrom. But if I agree with you, things that Tatis has been doing have been seen rarely, but things that DeGrom has been doing have never been seen. And his hitting true, is that's true. his hitting is amazing, and his pitching. His control, I, his velocity, all of it. Exactly. I bear, I don't even need to say anything else except his pitching plus his hitting. It's never, ever been done before. So because of those reasons, I still think it's going to be a close race because Tatis has played outstanding this year. He's like, I heard this expression on TV and I was reading an article as well. He's And it's a good expression to explain Tatis. He's an MLB The Show, a video game about the MLB. He's an MLB The Show player. That's, that is where, so true. That where is you, so true. Where you crank all the settings up to 99, then you get Tatis. You cannot get any better than Fernando Tatis. He is everything you want in a player and more. But when you're going up against someone who's done things that no one has ever done before, then I'm sorry, Tatis, but this one, I believe, is going to have to go to DeGrom. Yeah, and then going to the American League, I actually 100% agree with that, um, except for the unanimous part. I think DeGrom will be pretty close to unanimous, if unanimous. Um, now, American League, this is a really, really close race between mainly Otani and Guerrero, Vlad Guerrero. You can make a case for Bogarts. I think Bogarts will come third. But this is, this is where it gets tough because the American League is... I, is real is a really really hard division. I would say most years it's harder than the National League. You have a pitcher, a, a, a another pitcher, not in the National League this time in the American League that is has an ERA had an ERA of around until until yeah until, yeah, until, until, until the Yankees a few weeks ago the Yankees played the Angels and then in the first round in, in the, the first, first inning, inning he got yeah. pulled and he had thirty seven yeah. pitches and he had he gave up seven runs yeah. But before that, he had a 2.5 ERA. Now that game, that could be a turning point. And it it probably has been a turning point for Otani in the season and becoming the MVP. It, because that means so much. How do you give up seven runs in an inning and you're pulled after 37 pitches? And it's so unfortunate, I would also say, that Otani is in the AL. Because in the NL, pitchers bat, not catchers. And he wouldn't have to be a... DH. He, he would actually have a roster spot. Exactly. So being a DH is harder for him. But that prompts a question, and I think a lot of our viewers are also thinking this as well. Who you got, DeGrom or Otani? DeGrom. I think that's easy. You think that's easy? I think that's that's not even close. Even because with Otani's hitting. Otani has I one mean, of the DeGrom, best hitting De, De, in the whole league, yeah. and he's a pitcher. Yes, that that is true. But DeGrom has is his batting average and his consistency at this plate is very good. He, not better than Otani's though. He's who's a better hitter, Otani. Okay, Otani is, but yeah, then who's a better him. pitcher? Who's a better pitcher? Degrom. So, yeah, I'd have to go with Degrom. So it'd be an all-time pitcher batting versus hitting, which I mean, hitting versus. Pitching. And I would, I would rather take the guy that's doing things never seen before at the mat on the mound, and who's an okay batter than someone who is an amazing batter and is do and is. He's still doing things that no, doing pretty good. He's doing things that. No pitcher has ever done, but Degrom is doing things that no other that no person has done. Partly because 
well, pitchers only pitch, but still, that no one's done. And Otani in batting is doing things that no one's done, but when they bat as a pitcher. So it's kind of different. Yeah, yeah, no, so speaking of which, that's why I'm going to say Otani's going to win AL MVP. Guerrero is ahead by a couple home runs in the home run race. Home run race. But Otani is, is getting close. Otani is, like you were saying, a very, very good batter as well. His pitching has been on point. I mean, some could argue that he... I, I would say that he's going to have a short career because his he's batting and pitching, and because of his elbow. So he'll probably have elbow injuries um, soon. He already has had one. Hopefully not, but... Hopefully yeah. not, yes. But I think that that will happen. And I think Otani is in his prime right now, as weird as it may sound. He's in his prime right now in his batting and his pitching. So even though Guerrero is blasting and putting the Rays on it, not the Rays, putting the Blue, Blue Jays, Jays on yeah. his back, Otani is putting the Angels on his back with Mike Trout on IL, and his, he's a regular pitcher in the rotation. So he's my um, AL MVP. Okay, for my AL MVP, like you said, I think it's going to be t- between Otani and Guerrero. In the end, I'm going to give the edge to Guerrero. Not because I think he's better than Otani, because based on their positions, I personally would choose Otani. But I think home runs are valued a lot in this league, and it shouldn't be as much as it is. It's I extremely believe. inflated. But yes, it's extremely important to who's going to win the MVP. And I think because of that, Guerrero is going to stay ahead of Otani, not by a lot, but he's going to stay ahead in, in the my, home run race. You yeah, mean? in my yeah. opinion, in the home run race. So I'm going to pick him to win the MVP. But Otani is going to be very, very close behind. So you you have Guerrero winning the AL MVP? Yes. Okay. Um, I I disagree with that, but we'll see what happens. All these players are dominant. I'm, saying one is not going to win MVP doesn't mean they're not dominant. They're extremely valuable to their team. Even Bogarts, Xander Bogarts, uh, Guerrero, even Acuna Tatis, we all know how good they are. So even though they're not they're not winning a um, MVP, they're still very good. It's just a matter of who's the best player that year. Obviously, that's what the MVP is. And I think if we had to choose an, I mean this is not a thing, but if you had to choose an MVP for the whole for like the whole league, not just AL or no, for the whole league, I'm going with Degrom. Who are you going with? Okay, for the whole league. I'd probably go with DeGrom as well. Yeah. yeah. What he's doing is just crazy. All right, so now going into Madden rankings, let's talk. Let's first focus on quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is in the 99 club, which makes sense. Tom Brady is a 97. I think he should be at least a 98 or 99, especially because he's on the cover with Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers is 96. He should also be higher, like 97 or 98. And this is where the disrespect comes in. Russell Wilson is only a 94. Lamar is only a 90. Deshaun is only a 90, and he led the league in passing yards. And Josh Allen, who was an 88 overall and was the runner-up to MVP last year. That's some incredible disrespect. Madden has some guts to do that. They have to at least put Josh Allen number three or four on this list behind Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. If I'm completely honest, Josh Allen was better than Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, everyone else on this list. Not to mention Kyler Murray is not even on this list either. Matt Ryan's an 85. 
Uh, Ryan Tannehill's an 87. Dak's an 87. I would argue Kyler Murray's better than all those players last year. Potentially even Deshaun Watson, who's number six. So Kyler Murray is completely disrespected. How is he below an 85? And then you have Josh Allen, who's an 88. That's some incredible disrespect right there. I just can't get over that. Now going to running back rankings, Christian McCaffrey's not a 99. He's a 97. That's obviously due to his injury, but he was so dominant. They should still keep him as a 99. And then you have Derrick Henry, number two, 96. How How is he not a 99 either with what he was able to do last year? Over 2,000 yards, led the league in rushing easily. And then you have Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook. Not, Dalvin Cook's a 95. He, I assume he has the best juking in the game because that's what he is. He's a human joystick. And then Nick Chubb's a 96 who missed six games with an ACL tear. So these rankings are completely off. Alvin Kamara's a 94. And then they have Joe Mixon as an 88 who only played like six games last year. Okay. And then Wide receiver, Devontae Adams is a 99 overall. Makes sense. Hopkins, 98. Makes sense. And Tyreek Hill. Stephon Diggs should be in that 98 tier as well. He was top three last year in wide receiving, and right now they're ranking up as number four. Julio Jones is five. That's based on prior history. But still, he did not play that much last year. Just got traded to a new team. How are you going to put him at a 95 ahead of his teammate, A.J. Brown, who's supposed to lead the um, team in targets? That doesn't make any sense. And then you have um, Allen Robinson and Mike Evans, 90-91. Amari Cooper's ranked way too high in this game. I get they had Ben DiNucci, Garrett Gilbert, and Dak Prescott for four games. So he played with a bunch of QB uncertainty. But he's still a 92. He should be way lower. I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm saying that. If I'm being completely honest, CeeDee Lamb should be within three or four overall points away from Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper should be like an 86 or 87, not a 92, not the number eight wide receiver in this game. Now, tight end, Chelsea is a 99. Kittle was a 97 last year. He went down one because of his injury. Also should be up. So should Darren Waller. Darren Waller, I would argue, should be above George Kittle, but that's not how it is. And then some mad disrespect here as well. They ranked Mike Gusecki, TJ Hawkinson, both as 95s, should be in the 90s. And Mark Andrews also as an 88, should easily be in the 90s. We saw they're all of them round out the top five for tight ends last year, and they're not... And they're not even close to being in the 90s, which makes no sense. And then Aaron Donald, obviously a 99. Chris Jones was a 95 last year, went down to a 92. A bunch of the defensive linemen are all down because of their age, except Vita Vea is an 88 overall, should be higher on the Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's that's just disrespect there as well. And then Edge. You have Miles Garrett as a 98, should be a 99 as well. Obviously, everyone knows him for the helmet hit on Mason Rudolph, but still should be a 99 no matter what. Clear Max a 96, and J.J. Watt and Joey Bosa. J.J. Watt's a 94, Joey Bosa's a 92, and Nick Bosa's a 90. Nothing wrong there. Now, cornerbacks. Jalen Ramsey, 99 club as well. Stephon Gilmore's a 97. At least should be a 98 because... We, uh, he was a 99 last year. Everyone that was hurt last year went down, in, on average, about one point. They put Gilmore down on two points. And that the reason is because, number one, I, probably has to do something with his contract year coming up right now. You're also saying that because the Patri- a lot of the Patriots players opted out of the season last year, so their defense was not that good. But their defense was still top 15 in the NFL. So Gilmore should not be a 97. Jair and Tredavis White's a 93 should be higher. Xavier Howard was third place in Defensive Player of the Year rankings, and they're going to put him at a 91, at least above Jair, at least a 97. 
incredible disrespect there as well. And then go to we're going to strong safeties. Um, Tyran Matthews a ninety five. Buda Baker's a ninety three. Should be higher. Devin McCourty's a ninety two. That's some way over ranking right there. Jamal Adams is a ninety, and Minka's an eighty nine. I would argue Minka is a top two safety in the NFL right now. I would say it's Minka and Tyran Matthew as the top safeties in the NFL right now. Minka's an eighty nine. That's that's horrible rankings by Madden. And then the rookie wide receivers. Jalen Waddle has 96 speed, a 76 overall. Jamar Chase is a 75 overall, and so is Devontae Smith. I agree with Jalen Waddle, but Jamar Chase should be at least a 78, and Devontae Smith should be in between Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase, if I had to choose. Because this is incredible. Madden is always known for botching their rankings. And just, I didn't even mention this before. Saquon Barkley's a 90. You got to put some respect on his name. Even though he was hurt, he's still a top five running back in this league. We see that going in fantasy as well. He's going top four, top three in the in fantasy. Madden just botched it again. I was hoping for a good game this year. We have Madden, nine, Madden 20, Madden 19, 20, and 21. I'm not going to be buying Madden 22. All right, so the Cowboys signed Malik Hooker after, in late free agency. Training camp has already started. And they signed Malik Hooker, 2017, number 17 overall pick, um, free agent from the Colts last year. He's a safety. And now they sign him um, to their practice, I mean, to the squad. So what this means, I think that this is, first of all, this is a great move for the Cowboys. They should have done this way earlier, but I'm surprised no team signed Malik Hooker. They waited this out. No one still, no one wanted him. Granted, he has a knee issue, but still no one wanted him. And so they were able to get a cheap asking price for him, and they ended up signing him to the squad. So I'm a Cowboys fan. This is a this is gigantic news. This is the greatest news I've heard all offseason for the Cowboys. Besides, obviously, them getting Micah Parsons, which I'm, I'm not high on Micah Parsons. I don't like Micah Parsons. So yes, this is the greatest news I've heard all offseason for the Dallas Cowboys. They get Malik Hooker, who has seven interceptions in four seasons. Not that great. But he's not that much of an interception machine. He's more of a zone corner, can play a little bit of man, and that's exactly what the Cowboys scheme is right now with Dan Quinn. So that's incredible. Right now they're starting Donovan Wilson and Demonte Casey. Um, Malik Cook is probably going to come in for both, probably take out second string strong safety Darian, uh, Darian Thompson, put him at third string, and then they're going to put Malik Hooker there and alternate him, potentially playing three safety or two safeties, two strong safeties and a free safety, or maybe even taking out Donovan Wilson and then putting in DeMonte Casey at free safety and Malik Hooker at strong safety. Who knows right now, but all I know is this is a gigantic move for the Cowboys. This is great. And the Cowboys defense should be able to take the next step with all these pieces. If it's not, I don't know if it's an issue with the coaching, if it's an issue with the chemistry, if it's an issue with the team overall. If this defense does not work out, I have no clue what to expect. No clue what's wrong. What is the issue with this team? Because last year they were historically one of the historically worst defenses of all time in the NFL. And then this year, they've made a bunch of acquisitions. They drafted Micah Parsons, Kelvin Joseph, who I think has a the, a very good talent to be someone very good. And they Trayvon Diggs can potentially take the next step. Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis are both healthy. CJ Goodwin and Kelvin jo- er, and Maurice Kennedy are both healthy. So we'll see what happens, but this should be a great move. Now, talking about trading for Xavier Howard is on the radar for the Cowboys as well. 
So I think that this is a real realistic possibility. If if they if they are able to trade for Xavier Howard and manage his contract, I'm I'm drafting this this defense in fantasy because that means that this team has the potential to be something great, something from worst to first if they trade for Xavier Howard. That's how good Xavier Howard is, third in defensive player of the year voting last year. So, he is he's a monumental piece. Arguably the best player on the Dolphins requested a trade. And now, if the Cowboys are able to get him, this defense is automatically, automatically, they sign Malik Hooker. I almost added them in fantasy or drafted them in fantasy. If they trade for Xavier Howard, top three defense in the NFL. Bucks, Washington, or Bucks, Colts, Ravens, whatever, Cowboys. Cowboys are up there then. Michael Parsons, I think he's going to be defensive player of the year, even though I don't like the pick that much. Then they have Jalen Smith and LVE, who's healthy. And then their cornerbacks are incredible. Um, and then they they sign Malik Cooker. So this defense has high expectations, especially with um, their defensive coordinator being Dan Quinn, who was the defensive coordinator of the Legion of Boom in their prime with uh, when they played the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. So this defense has high hopes. If they don't live up, there's something wrong with this team, something wrong with this defense or coaching staff, something wrong. But I expect this defense to be great come next year. And if Xavier Howard comes, they're probably going to have to trade some form of Trayvon Diggs, Kelvin Joseph, and Jordan Lewis, or maybe a Darian or Thompson. Who knows? Pro- or maybe even one of their li- or maybe even Leighton Vander Esch because the Dolphins' linebacking core is not that good. So maybe even Leighton Vander Esch and Kelvin Joseph or Leighton Vander Esch, Trayvon Diggs, and a pick for Xavier Howard. But no matter what you give up for Xavier Howard, if you get Xavier Howard, this defense is taking the next step next year. So if if no matter what the Cowboys do, if they end up getting Xavier Howard, it's an A-plus trade for the Cowboys. And finally, the Yankees were able to make two blockbuster trades before the MLB deadline. So let's talk about that. First, let's talk about the trade that the Yankees got Joey Gallo. They gave up Glenn Otto, Ezekiel Duran, Josh Smith, and Trevor Howard to the Rangers, and they and the Yankees ended up getting Joey Gallo and Jolie Rodriguez in return. So Gallo, before this trade, he was a scratch from Wednesday's night Wednesday Wednesday night's game against the Diamondbacks. But I thought he should have started in center field instead of Mike Trout. That's how good I thought he was in the All Star game. That's how good I thought he was. He had that he has that potential. He's been a breakout player this year, and he, in addition to Stanton Judge. And then uh, the infield is incredible for the Yankees. This trade should be should easily pay off for the Yankees. I'm ranking this an A plus just because the Yankees are able to get such a good player and an additional pitcher, Jolie Rodriguez, for a bunch of prospects. Now the prospects could turn out to be something really really good, but right now I'm ranking off who has proven themselves. So right now I'm gonna rank that the Yankees get an A plus. The Rangers, just because of all the prospects they were able to get, it's an A-, minus. but because those prospects could end up turning out really, really good or really not good. But um, the Yankees were able to pull this off, which amazes me. So that's an A-plus for the Yankees. And then let's talk about the Anthony Rizzo trade the Yankees also got. they gave uh, The Cubs gave up Anthony Rizzo, and they got back Alexander Vizcano and Kevin Alcantara. Both, again, prospects from the Yankees. So Anthony Rizzo is years removed from his, I think, like one or two years removed from his prime. But he is 
a very good first baseman. They lost um, Bird, and then Luke Voigt has been in and out of the lineup recently. So this should be some security for the Yankees, even though Rizzo has been hurt a little bit as well. He was an all-star a few years ago, and he's just fizzled out this year. No one's really heard of him or Javier Baez. I'm, I'm for this this trade. The Yankees are giving getting an A minus because they gave up a pitcher and an outfielder, which they need a pitcher. And but they, I guess they don't need an outfielder anymore because they got Joey Gallo. But they need a pitcher, so they gave up a pitcher and a really good outfielder prospect. Um, and for Anthony Rizzo, who is late in his career, I don't think this will be such a good trade for the Yankees. For the Cubs, this is an A minus as well. I think it's pretty even for both sides. Because, again, prospects could turn out to be very good or very bad or in the middle. So, ba- based on right now, both sides get an A-. And then for the Joey Gallo trade, Yankees get an A+, and the Rangers get an A-. But who knows? The Rangers have been one of the worst teams in the MLB this year. And they were able to get Jack Leiter. And now they have four more prospects who could turn out to be something good. And then the Cubs have been a pretty good. And now they're, get, they're getting rid of Anthony Rizzo, but they're getting Vizcano and Kevin Alon, uh, Alcantara back. So those are my rankings. Let us know what you guys think of, the, of these two blockbuster trades for the Yankees in the comments down below. Or leave us a review and let us know. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing leaving a like or review, and following us on social media at 2 underscore bros and sports for daily sports updates. Enjoy the rest of your guys' day, and we'll catch you guys next week on the Two Brothers and Their Sports podcast.